Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Am I on there, Brother Larry? I got a little bit of vocal there. There we go. There we go. That's good. Praise the Lord. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray that you would speak a word into the lives of each and everyone that's here today, Father, you would minister personally to them, Father, Lord. Father, you are a God of restoration, Father. No matter how far we've run from you, Father, no matter how, to, how bad things have been in our life, Father, how broken we've become, Father, you're a God that's able to take the broken pieces of our life, Father, and bring them and put them back together better than they were in the beginning. And, Father, I just pray that you would have your way today. I bind every hindering spirit, and I just ask your spirit to be welcome in this place. And we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Everybody said amen. 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 So I'm going to talk to you this morning about restoration. It's part two from where we left off last week. Um, last week we talked about restoration and that the, uh, the definition of restoration is taking something that's been left out in the cold, that's been beat up, that's been worn, that's got rust, taking it back to its former state. And then that there's a biblical restoration where, where God not only takes, takes you back to, 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 to your former state, but makes you better. And we've seen that where Job, he, uh, he'd lost everything, but he stayed faithful to God. And then God restored more in the end than he had in the beginning, praise the Lord. So there's some things that, you know, we talked about that they need some restoration. Number one was your relationship with Christ. That you need if you've walked away from God. Maybe you let your, your spirit get cold and there's some rust in your life. And you walked away from the Lord. The Lord's saying, if you come back to me, if you'll turn back to me and rend your heart and not your garment, I'll take you out of that, that place of non-service. And, and I'll take out that spiritual sandblaster, basically, and get all the rust off your life. And I'll bring restoration to your life, praise God. I'll make you better than you were in the, in the beginning, praise God. And then we talked about there needed to be a restoration of relationships, we're, we're stronger together as a body of Christ than we are separated. Because when we get separated, the enemy likes to pick us off. But we're strong together. And an army that stays together and fights together, it's hard to be defeated. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then we talked about there needed to be a restoration of the church. Where the church is not just inward. That we're focusing on ourselves and being self-centered. That we're reaching out to the lost. And we're not just reaching out to people that look like us and smell like us and, and, and have deep pockets. But we're reaching out to those that are hurting, those that are in need. And we're not going to be that ship that just passes by in the night when someone's drowning and, and not able to throw them a life vest. We're going to reach out to the lost and to the community. And then the fourth one was that uh, we needed a restoration of the, uh, our gifts and talents. The call of God in our life. That maybe you've been called to God. God said that uh, um, uh, the gift and call of God is without repentance. And so he's not going to repent that he called you. And, and some people maybe put their call on the back burner. They've left it out in the wood pile somewhere or underneath a shed and their gifts and their talents. But God's saying, if you'll come back to me, get in my spiritual body shop, I'll do a restoration work in your life with the gifts and talents that I placed in you. And I'll put you back in ministry, praise God. A restoration. And so today we're going to start with number five. And number five, guys, there needs to be a restoration in our homes. In our homes. And see, I want to say there's not, there shouldn't be much different what goes on here in the church and what should go on in your home. See, because in, chapter, in Acts chapter 2, spiritual activity didn't start in the temple. It started in the home. And so, see, there needs to be some spiritual activity going on in your home where you're praying, where you're reading, where you're seeking God. Even before you come to the church, there needs to be some spiritual activity. You as parents, your kids need to see you praying and seeking God and communicating and having a relationship with, with the Lord at home, not just in the church. See, our fellowship and our relationship with God, guys, should be in the church, should be in home first, not just in the church. Praise the Lord. 
And see, I'd, I'd go as far to say if the only time you feel God is when you come to church, then you really don't have a relationship. See, because I don't come to church to feel God because when I come to church, I bring him with me because he lives and he dwells within my soul, within my spirit. He's resident in my life wherever I go, whether I'm in the church house or outside the house, whether I'm in the shower, my car, walking around Walmart, wherever I am, the spirit of God lives and dwells in me because I've invited him in my heart and he has residence in my spirit, Lord. He's, he's resident, praise God. I take him with me wherever I go. See, Christ lives in me. And so you have to realize, guys, when you leave the church here today and you go home, that your house should be your sanctuary. Your house should be where the the presence and the peace of God dwells. See, God intended for your house to be a place of spiritual activity where you worship and you praise and and you entertain the spirit of God. So you have to pray over your homes if you want the peace of God to dwell in your house, guys. See, my house is my sanctuary. The spirit of God dwells there. See, we don't allow uh, filthy language and, and bad things to go on and crazy and loose living in, my lo- in, in our house. Me and my wife, Jen, don't because it's, it's a place of prayer where we read God's word and, and we study and we, we try to seek him the best we can. I mean, we don't walk around with halos on our head, but our house is a place. It's a sanctuary, praise the Lord. And your house needs to be a sanctuary. So you need to live in your home what you confess in the church, guys. You need to live in the home what you confess. And see, if you want the peace of God to flow and live in your house, you gotta watch what you, you gotta watch what you allow to come into your house. You gotta watch what you allow to go on in your house, praise God. So you can't say, I want to see the sanctuary uh, and the church here clean, but then turn around and allow everything of the world inside your home. See, your house is your sanctuary. See, if you want the peace of God to, to dwell and live in your house, you just can't be watching every kind of foul show and crazy life show on TV in your house, guys. If you don't want your kids drinking and sleeping around, then you can't bring it home and put it on the counter and leave it on the TV for them to watch it. You have to set the example because guess what? Your kids, your family are watching you. You have to set the example in front of your kids. See, your kids are going to be exposed to all this nastiness, this vulgarity, this garbage soon enough. But when when your family comes home, when your kids come home, they should come home to a place that's a sanctuary where the spirit of God dwells in your house, where they can get away from the junk and the garbage outside these walls out in this world. They should have a safe place where the presence of God dwells. And that's your home, guys. It should be your, your sanctuary, your sanctuary where the peace of God, see that peace that passes all understanding, praise God. And so you may not know, you know, you, you may have lost a job. You may have gotten some bad news. Uh, all of hell may be coming against you, but you can have that peace that passes understanding, praise God, that the world might not understand. They can't comprehend it. Why, why you're, you're not afraid, why you're not worried, because it's a peace about you. you. You just have this peace and it's not a worldly peace. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding, praise God. And so you have to make your house a home. You have to make it a a place of peace for God's presence to dwell there. And you do that by praying, by seeking God, guys, by getting into his word and making him feel welcome. See, you're responsible for what you allow to go on in your house. See, drifting away from God, guys, and conforming to the ways of the world starts in your home by what you allow to come into your house. And so you got to watch what you allow to come in your house. If you want your house, guys, to be a, a house uh, uh, for the, uh, the presence of God to dwell there, then you got to learn to pray for your family. you got to learn to pray for your kids and, and your, your loved ones, you know, that live there. I even pray for my puppy dogs, praise the Lord, because the vet bill is expensive, praise God. So I, I pray for my puppy dogs. you got to pray for them. So you got to stand up against the enemy who'd want to steal your peace. 
You got to cast out and get rid of everything in your house, guys, that would, uh, would take away the peace of God in your home. And you might say, well, pastor, my husband's too big to throw out, praise the Lord. Or, you know, or my, my kids are too young to get rid of yet. Well, we'll just have to pray for you and pray maybe you get some counseling or something other, you know, to help out. But uh, God wants to bring restoration to your homes, guys. He wants your place to be a sanctuary, to be a place of, where the peace of God dwells in your house, dwells in your home, praise the Lord. So things that are in need of restoration, number six, is going to be the restoration of finances. Well, I got a couple of amens right on. Amen. Restoration of finances. See, God purposely intended for his people to be blessed. To be blessed. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 29 and 13 in the NLT says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, and I will restore your fortunes. God's saying, guys, right here, he'll bring restoration to your finances. He'll break that spirit of lack, that spirit of, of, of just uh, being poor off your life, guys, if you'll learn to come to God. See, there isn't a scripture in the Bible where it says that God intended for his people to live in, in lack and live in poverty all the days of their life. You can't find it. It's not there. So what's happened? That, well, the enemy has came up with a plan. He came up with a plan to keep you from getting blessed by God, to rob you from the blessings of God. He has a plan to keep you with a poverty mentality, to keep you guys in debt, to keep you um, coveting the things of other people, to keep you uh, have a plan in your life that you will, uh, you will trust in your money more than you'll trust in God's provision for your life. And see, this one's going to hurt. Many of you will never have enough. You'll never have enough. You'll never make enough. You'll run short. You'll be broke and you'll always have lack in your life because you rob God and you're tithing or you don't tithe faithfully. You rob God. Malachi says this. says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? And he says, in tithes and offerings. See, tithing, guys, it's really a trust issue. It's really, do you trust God? You either trust God or you don't trust God. See, my dad used to tell me that, son, the last thing that ever gets saved on a person is their pocketbook, their wallet, their purse, because people will put more faith in their money and in the banking system of this world than they do the God they serve. And it, it's funny to me how we can, we can trust God to forgive our sins and to wipe them away, to cast them into the sea of forgiveness and remember them no more, to cause us to leave planet Earth and have a place in glory, eternal life. But we can't trust God to stretch 90% of our finances if we'll just be faithful to give him 10%. See, I know people that's been going to church for most of their life that still don't pay their tithes. They'll throw a 5 or a $10 here in the offering once in a while and think that's tithing. Or they rob God because uh, they only pay on one income. Both, both, both of them work. Husband and wife both work. Have two jobs and only pay on one. You're robbing God. Between me and my wife, we have three jobs. We pay tithes on all three. And it's not uh, that we're something special. But I want the favor and the blessings of God upon my life. I want his blessings upon my finances. I want his blessings upon my health. I want his blessings upon our ministry. I want his blessings in our life, praise God. And see, when you don't tithe, you, you block God from blessing you guys. You block God from blessing you. And not only that, you can be, you can be a Christian, guys, but you can be a, a not a mature son or daughter of God. Because see, a mature son and daughter of God is not going to rob God in tithing. They're going to, they're going to be uh, faithful in tithing and giving. And some people have said that, you know, they're, they're like, um, well, 
pastor tithing was instituted under the old law, and we're not under the law no more, so we don't have to give. We can just give whatever we feel like it. Well, that's wrong, because tithing came in before the law. Genesis 14 and 18, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. He was a king of Salem, a high priest of God. And then, in, and then in the, uh, during the old law in Malachi uh, 3.10, he says, bring your tithes to the storehouse. So it was in the law too. And then tithing was also after the law. Jesus says right here in Matthew 23 and 23, he says, woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. I've given you a tenth of spices and mint and dill and cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. In other words, you should practice justice, faith, and mercy. He says, without neglecting the former. In other words, you're to still give your tithings, but not neglect faith and justice and mercy. You're, you're to put it all together. It's there. See, tithing was before the law. It was good for you during the law. And it's good for you after the law, praise God. See, tithing is just a, it's an act, guys, of obedience to trust God with what he's blessed you with. And you might say, well, pastor, I, I don't have a whole lot. Tithing is about just trusting God with what you have. Trust him with what you do have. God is saying to you, do you trust me to provide for you and to take care of you? That's what he's saying. And here uh, in Mark 12 and 43, the Bible tells the story of this poor woman. Jesus calls his disciples and he said, hey, you see those dudes over there? They're like, yeah. He goes, they're, they're, they're giving in the offering plate there. They're, uh, they're giving of their, their wealth. They're giving of their abundance. But see that little old lady over there? They're like, yeah. She just put in two mites, which was nothing. So she gave more than them all because she gave out of her poverty. She gave out of her lack. So she, she was willing to give what she had and trust God. And see, my grandmother Marlo, she was on a fixed income. She lived in a time where wages weren't, weren't like they are today. You know, so she didn't have a whole lot. She, paid, she lived in a little senior apartment, and I believe she had less than $1,000 a month to live on. But every month, she would write out a tithing check, uh, an offering, and a missions, uh, a missions uh, giving. Every month, and she was faithful to give that because she put trust in the God that she served to meet and supply her needs. See, guys? You got to learn to trust God with what you have, no matter how big or how small it is. You got to learn to trust God and give. See, when you don't give, giving your tithing, you don't give uh, to the God you serve. You're saying, you're saying to the God, you're saying to God that uh, I don't think you're able enough to meet my needs better than I can. And see, but you got you got to trust God. God's able to meet your needs. See, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread because he knew God would meet your needs, church. And you've got to trust God to meet your needs in every area of your life. See, it's a do I trust God thing. Do you trust God in your giving? And see, when you don't pay your tithes, you, you block God's hands from pouring blessings out on your life. But if you'll learn to give, God, guys, God will open up a window of heaven unto you. Malachi 3.10 says, bring your tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house. And he says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not, if I will not open up a window of heaven and pour out you such a blessing that you will not be able to receive it. See, the Lord's saying, try me in this. See if I can't, see if I won't bless you. Try me. See, paying your tithes, guys, it's going to be up to you. It's going to be between you and the Lord. But if you want your, the, the blessings of God upon your life and upon your family, uh, you can't rob God. You've got to become a tither, praise the Lord. See, tithing is not just about money. It's something God uses to, to see if his kids are going to really trust in him to meet their needs. Praise the Lord. 
And see, the Bible says here in 1610 in the NLT, see, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you'll be uh, dishonest in greater responsibilities. See, a lot of people want to grow in their businesses. They want to grow in their, in their walk with God and, and maybe even positions. But guys, until you can learn to be faithful in the little things, God's saying you've got to be faithful in little things. See, let God bring restoration to your finances. Yeah. Trust God, guys. Become a tither. Become a tither. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens in that, but that's all right. Truth's like a medicine. Does the body good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Things that are in need of restoration, number seven, guys, is there needs to be a restoration of our minds, of our, our spiritual minds, our spiritual thinking. Praise the Lord. The, uh, Romans says here in 12.2 in the NLT, says, don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, the changing, by changing the way you think. That when you learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. See, guys, you got to get rid of that stinking thinking. That stuff that goes on between the six inches between our ears, or if you've got a big dome, it could be eight or ten inches. Who knows? It spins on the size of your head, kind of like, Robbie, I'm looking at Robbie right there. <laughs> it's all right. But <laughs> it's all good, man. It just means you've got a big head, that's all. Praise the Lord. See, but we've got to get rid of that stinking thinking, guys. See, we've got to get rid of it. See, so many people are living outside of God's uh, his, his plan, his purpose, his favor, his blessings for their life because, uh, because of the way they think. And see, your life will go in the direction of your thoughts, the way you think, guys. Your life will go in that direction. That's why you got to renew your mind through the word of God daily, getting God's word and let it begin to do a renewing process in your life. See, most people see themselves by the mental uh, thoughts that the enemy puts in their mind. And see, the enemy, what he wants to do, guys, is he wants to bring spiritual tattoos to your mind. He wants to tattoo your mind. See, mindsets is the enemy's tattoo, uh, the way of he's just uh, putting mind and, and by, uh, mindsets in your mind. Praise the Lord. He's trying to steal my words there. And see, he, his, his, his job is he wants to lure you in and get you to, uh, 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 to, to focus on your failures in your life. All the things that's happened to you guys and get you to think about the condemnation. See, the enemy wants you to hear only his voice inside your head. Constantly reminding you of your faults and your failures and the things that you failed out in your, in your life. And see, if he can get you to do that, then he's putting a permanent ink mark, a permanent a tattoo in your mind of the failures and all the things in your life. See, he wants you to know, he wants you to think that, he, that you're behind, beyond hope, that you're a failure, that you're worthless, guys. That uh, because your mom and your dad was an addict, you're going to be an addict because you're just worthless. You're no good. And you're the reason that your family's messed up. You're the reason you were abused growing up. It's something you did. And no one's ever going to love you or like you are. They're just going to be losers in your life because that's who you are and that's how God sees you. And see, when, when you begin to uh, take those thoughts in and, and, uh, and just think on those thoughts, it, he just begins to permanently ink mark and, and tattoo your mind with failure in your life. He wants, to, he wants you to fail, guys. And see, the Bible says right here in Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Puts those mindsets in there. I've used this story before, but I'm going to use it again. In uh, 1930, there was these two guys. And they were, uh, went to this hospital, and they, they were diagnosed by the same doctor to have the same disease. And this disease was said that you're going to be crippled for the rest of your life. You're going to live your life in a wheelchair and you'll never get out of it. And so the one man believed the story or what they told him and he stayed in the wheelchair the rest of his life. Well, the other man's name was Roger Bannister. And he wouldn't believe what they said. 
He said, not only will I get out of this wheelchair, but I will walk. And not only will I, I walk, I will run. And so after like a thousand attempts to get out of this wheelchair, he finally began to start walking. He finally began to start running. And the Bible, or not the Bible, but uh, history records in 1954 that Roger Bannister broke the world record of running a mile uh, in three minutes and 59 seconds. He broke the four minute mile. Yeah. And so what they did is the doctors come back, the doctors re-examine him and they re-examine the other person. And they re-examine Roger and they tell him, you know what, you had this disease, there's no way you should have got out of that wheelchair and been able to run, uh, much less become the fastest man in the world. He says, but you didn't believe what we told you. You wouldn't accept it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't receive it into your spirit. And you became the fastest man. So they went back and they re-examined the other man. And they said, we're so sorry. You were misdiagnosed. You don't even have the disease. But see, guys, because of a word spoken into his life, because of a thought, he received it into his spirit and he stayed in the wheelchair the rest of his life. He wasted all those years because someone spoke a word and it became a mindset in his life. And maybe some of you are here today and the enemy has spoken a word in your life that you're a loser, that you're no good. That you're always going to be a drug addict. That you're the reason your family's messed up and screwed up. That no one loves you. That you're the reason your mom or your dad left. Or that they're on drugs. Or they're out in the world. Or they're homeless. Yeah, no one's going to ever love you. You're not good enough. You're, not, you're worthless. And people are living their life in a place that God never intended for them to, to live. Because they've listened to the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy will tell you you're no good and, and that you're horrible. But I got good news for you. Jesus Christ, therefore, said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature in Christ. All old things have passed away and that all things have been made new. Praise God. And the enemy will tell you that you're not strong enough to break that habit. But the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is faithful. The devil will tell you it's impossible to break free. But the word of God says that with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Praise the Lord. You'll get in God's word and let God's word begin to renew the mind, guys. And get those things out of your mind. See, there's a thing called laser removal. Where they remove tattoos with a laser. And it's blood and light. It's where they take the light and, and then mix with the blood. It removes the tattoo. The laser light shining on the, on the tattoo by itself without the blood, it would just burn the skin. It takes the light in the blood and then it removes the tattoo. So if you'll take the light of God's word and apply it to the blood of Jesus Christ in your life, there's no tattoo. There's no mindset that can stay in your life. If you'll just accept Jesus Christ and let the word of God get in your life and be doing a renewing process in your mind. Praise the Lord. A renewing process. Not let the mindsets of the enemy, guys, get on you. But trust in the Lord. So you have to change your thinking. You have to change that thinking. Say, God, come into my life and do a restoration in my mind through your word. Praise the Lord. Yes, See, things that are needed are restoration, guys, in our life. Number eight is the restoration of the spirit in our lives. The restoration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And see, you may be here today and, and you may be dry in your spirit. You haven't had any oil in a long time. There might be some rusted out spots because you've let the, the spirit in your life get, get cold and rusty. 
Praise God. Or maybe you've let the, let the uh, people around you quiet you because you've heard them say that, you know, you should be speaking in tongues. It's a, it's, it's a distraction. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's just emotion and that it was just a thing for the old church. But let me tell you something. The old church, the Bible says, walked around in the demonstration power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. And if there's ever been a day and age that we live in where the church needs to walk around with the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders, it's this day that we live in today. I want to see the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit working again in God's church. I want to see saints of God walking around with the power in their spirit to lay hands and people will receive what they need from Jesus Christ where addictions will be broken and lives would be changed. We need a move of God's spirit again in the church, praise God. The Holy Spirit moving and bringing revival to his people, praise the Lord. We need a move. We need a move. Praise the Lord. See, we're the live in the spirit, guys. John 16 and 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit's going to guide us. And Jesus says right here, he tells his disciples, go and tarry until you're filled with power from on high. See, the, Holy, the, the, the disciples had to go and they had to make room for the Holy Spirit. They had to go and make room in their schedules, make themselves available for the, for the Holy Spirit to be poured into their lives. Like Elijah told the, uh, the, the widow lady to go and get some empty vessels. So the, so the oil could be poured into those vessels and the oil poured into those vessels until there was no more empty vessels. And then the oil stopped. And see, that's a problem with a lot of people and a lot of churches. There's, we're too full of the world. We're too full of, of the things around us. We're too full of ourselves. And there's no room for the anointing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives anymore or in our churches anymore. And we need to get rid of some junk. We need to get rid of some garbage in our life that we've allowed and we've collected. So there'll be some room for some pouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Praise God. The Holy Spirit will move in our lives. Praise God. Let him flow in our lives. See, there needs to be a restoration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God's got fresh oil today for each and every one to pour in your lives if you're willing to reach out and receive it. Praise God. See, too many Christians have left the Holy Spirit outside in the cold. And too many churches have left the Holy Spirit outside. Outside of the church, outside of their worship. They've left him out. And see, when, when there's no presence of the Holy Spirit, the world begins to creep in. Conformity begins to creep in. That's why you see so many churches and so many people that are looking like the world nowadays and acting like the world because they've allowed the world to creep in because they pushed the Holy Spirit out. See, the modern church is wanting to push the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit out of the church. The Bible says here in Timothy 4 and 3, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. Because, see, they don't want to know the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. Because he's the spirit of truth. See, without the convicting power, guys, of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you can come to church and you can live any kind of lifestyle you want. Because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of sin in the way they're living in their life. See, without the Holy Spirit, there's no power in the church. You can come and sit on the front row and live the worst, nastiest, funkiest life there is. And it, it won't even bother you because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to convict you to want to live a life and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. See, the early church grew in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And more and more churches now, guys, are, want to grow by conforming to this world and to the ways of this world. They want finances and members more than changed lives. And see, in this church, if we grow in numbers, 
but there's no changed life. So people are still sleeping around, getting high, loose living and all that. Then, then this church will be a failure. See, because God didn't call me as a pastor just to grow numbers, but to see people's lives changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to have a changed life, guys, a changed life in Jesus Christ. The worship team wants to come on back up this morning. So you can attend church your whole life and still die and go to hell because church won't change you. Church won't change your life. It won't change your lifestyle. It won't change the direction of your life. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit coming in your life, changing you, giving you a new direction, a new lease on life, giving you a desire to want to live better, to live clean, praise God. See, there needs to be the convicting power of the Holy Spirit back in the church, back in our lives, guys. There, need to, there needs to be uh, just a, um, a restoration, praise God, of the Holy Spirit in our lives where the anointing and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is back in the pulpit, back in the worship, back in the altar, back in the ministry. There needs to be a move of the Holy Spirit, his convicting power in the church and in our lives. There needs to be an anointing of the Holy Spirit that flows from the front of the church to the back of the church, praise God, in the aisles, in the seats, in the altar, praise God. We need to hunger and thirst for more of the Lord. Lord, less of me and more of you till there's all of you and none of me. Lord, I decrease that you increase in my life. See, Lord wants to bring restoration, guys, today. He wants to bring it to your home. He wants to bring it to your finances. He wants to bring it to your, your mind, your thinking. He wants to bring it to your spirit. But you have to be willing to say, Lord, here am I. Do a restoration in my life. And see, maybe some of you are here today, and you're in that place where the enemy is putting mental tattoos in your mind. They said you're no good. You're not worth anything. You're always going to be a screw-up. You're always going to be a mess-up. You're never going to break that addiction in your life. But see, I know a God that loves you. And he went to the cross for you. And he says, I love you. And I got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you'll trust me and come to me, I'll break every bondage in your life. I'll set you free. I'll seat you in good places, praise God, because he loves you, church. He loves you this morning. And so if you're here this morning, I'm going to have the prayer team come on up. I want to pray with you. Because, see, I believe God works in prayer. And I believe in prayer. I've seen it work. And I know God loves you. And sometimes we're our worst enemy because we, we fight against what God wants to do in our life. But there's got to come a point in your life where you're willing to surrender and just say, Lord, here am I. And if you do that this morning, I believe God's going to touch you. He's going to minister to you. So whatever the need is in your life today, guys, whether it's your family your finances, your marriage, your home. God wants to touch you this morning. Do you want to take a few minutes and come on up? We want to pray with you this morning. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name.